Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the beauty of that announcement. how radically it has changed the history of this world and our own life. Help us to understand the gift that it is in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. This morning's message is entitled, The Perfect Gift. The Perfect Gift. This is rhetorical, don't answer the question. Have you ever received a gift that you looked at and you thought, this is the perfect gift? This is exactly what I wanted. Not, not gifts that you buy yourself. <laughs> gifts that somebody else gave you. You were not expecting to receive that particular gift. And you're shocked at how great the gift was. Now, I get it. We often get the other kind of gift. Not the perfect gift. But what in your mind is the perfect Christmas Gift. What are you getting for Christmas this year? Well, here are a few Christmas gift statistics for you so that I can bore you with uh, Christmas gifts. <laughs> Consumers will spend about 15 hours on average gift shopping. Women spend twice as long as their male counterparts. The average woman spends 20 hours. The average man spends 10 hours or less. The top four gift categories consumers plan to spend on are, number one, gift cards. About 55% of all people buy gift cards for gifts. Clothing or accessories, 49%. Books, video games, or other media, 28%. And personal care or beauty items get 25%. Those are the most popular gifts purchased. The most unwanted gifts people receive are diet plans. <laughs> De-icers and bad romance novels. 56.6% of Americans will re-gift or, or donate unwanted gifts. In other words, more than half of the gifts that you give will either be re-gifted to somebody else or donated, uh, while 42.3% choose to return or exchange them for something they like. The most returned gifts in our nation are board games, toiletries and fragrances, fragrances, celebrity cookbooks, slippers, autobiographies, Christmas sweaters, and fitness DVDs. The average American will spend around $900 on Christmas gifts, and the average adult will only use 43% of their holiday gifts. That is, the majority of the gifts that we get 
we never actually use. When we study the New Testament and the tradition of giving or receiving gifts uh, for Christmas, we usually look at the wise men. And I've done that before with you for the Christmas message. And we look at their three gifts. We don't know how many wise men there were. It doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say, but they had three gifts. And so we assume there are three, one for each gift. We don't know that, however, but we do know they had three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We've talked about the significance of those gifts as they gave them to Christ. And of course, they did not give it to him in the manger. They didn't get there until he was at least a year old. He, they came later. But today, I want to look at three gifts Christ himself gave us by being incarnated as a human child. So the wise men gave gifts, but Christ gave gifts in the fact that he was incarnated into humanity. First, we see the gift of peace. The gift of peace. If you look at our passage for today, Luke chapter 2, if you look in verse 13, where it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now notice, not everyone will have peace, but only those who have the favor of God. Now if you have a King James Version, it says goodwill toward men. It doesn't say the favor part. And it's an interesting trans, uh, in, in, in the differences of translating from, from Greek or Hebrew or, uh, um, well in this case it was Greek, into English. And it has to do with one letter on the end of the word. It was the letter S, the letter sigma. And uh, so they translated a little bit differently than most other translations did. I'm not saying one is better or one's not as good, but uh, most translations say, uh, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. In his last conversation with his disciples, before his arrest and crucifixion, Jesus talks more about this gift of peace. If you look with me in John chapter 14, verse 27, it, it, again, all of the things that the angels could have said at the birth of Jesus, and yet they chose to talk about peace. Glory to God in, highest, in the highest and on earth, peace. John 14, 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Here's the gift. You, you get that? You understand that? He says, I'm giving you this gift of peace. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Also what the angel said, fear not. Peace isn't always evident at Christmas. You don't need me to tell you that. Just driving to wherever you're going to purchase items will enlighten you as to the lack of peace in our world. In fact, often our society can prove the opposite. There's not a lot of peace at Christmas for many people. Lucinda Norman once wrote of her experience Christmas shopping at the mall. People had been pushing, elbowing, and cutting in front of her all day. During a 10-minute extra 10% off special, one woman grabbed a lace tablecloth from her hands, looked her in the eye, and said, Mine. She yanked it back and won. <laughs> By 4 p.m., her mood was belligerent. She met some friends at a restaurant and flagged down a server. She barked, I need hot tea now. The waitress snapped back and said, I'm not your server. Wait your turn. <laughs> 
Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> Lucinda responded, Lady, I've been waiting my turn all day. Bring me some tea. But the waitress ignored her. A few moments later, a friendly young man came to her table and said, I'm Rob, your waiter. After he took their order, Lucinda watched Rob as he helped the rude waitress with her tray. He greeted the other customers and staff with a smile on his face. In the midst of all the hurried customers and chaos of the season, he had a polite and unhurried atmosphere of calm. When he, reflect, oh, when, excuse me, when he refilled her tea, Lucinda noticed a silver ring on his hand made of connected letters spelling Jesus. And then she writes, From that moment, my attitude changed. This young man's example had reminded me of the peace that Christ came to bring. And for the rest of the day, Lucinda enjoyed shopping, opening doors for others, and letting others in front of her in the checkout lines, all in an atmosphere of peace. Now here's the extraordinary part about the gift of peace. Like any gift, you have to receive it, but you have to receive it on a daily sometimes an hourly, and sometimes a minute-by-minute -minute basis. Christ offers you and I peace, a peace that this world does not understand. It does not comprehend true peace. But you and I should as God's people. Is that not right? It's a decision or a gift we have to receive in our hearts daily. Peace. This question was once asked, if you could choose what you want most in life, what would you ask for? And the most common answer was peace. People want peace in their marriages, their families, workplaces, their country, and in the world. Our country has some of the best medical and psychological treatment centers, highest educational institutions, and worldwide communication abilities. Yet with all of these things, most people are yet without true peace. The results are devastating. Broken marriages, split families, hatred, rebellion, financial anxiety, depression, and a country that is unsettled, to say the least. The world will offer you false peace in many forms. Drug, drugs, alcohol, immoral relationships, constant entertainment, it is sought through all forms of pleasure and self-satisfaction and positive thinking, but it's all a lie. It is not true peace. Many believe that peace is defined as the absence of trouble. They refuse to face the problems in their lives, believing that this is finding peace. The world, however, has never held the answer to true peace. You can choose to have true peace, but it doesn't come from anything you buy. It comes from God through Christ. This peace means to be in harmony with God, to be bound, joined, and woven together with God through Christ. It also means to be assured of, to be confident of, and secure in the love and the care of God. There is a consciousness and a sure trust that God will provide. God will guide, strengthen, sustain, encourage, deliver, and completely save those who seek them with all their hearts. This supernatural peace comes first and foremost from receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior. We'll get to that more in a moment. In the year 1555, a long time ago, 
Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake because of his witness for Christ. On the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber to be of assistance and comfort. <clears throat> but Nicholas declined the offer and replied that he meant to go to bed and sleep as quietly as he ever did in his life because he knew the peace of God. He could, he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his need. He was burned at the stake the next day, by the way. It's terrible death, horrible death. The fire was going slow and he was burning slowly and his brother took compassion on him and believe it or not, by taking compassion on him, he threw more wood on the fire so that he would burn more quickly so it would be over with. That's, that's heartbreaking, is it not? But that man was willing to die in peace. The second gift given because of the birth of Christ is the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter four, verse uh, excuse me, Acts chapter one, verse four, this is Jesus speaking. It says this: On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command: Do not to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I don't want you to go anywhere. Stay here because I've got a present for you. i got a gift. And he, and he refers to it that way. Before he even tells what the gift is, he says, I've got a gift for you guys. But it's not like any other gift you've ever received. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that blew their minds, I have no doubt. They had no idea what that meant, what they would be receiving. They didn't conceive of that. This, this concept was brand new that we would have within us the presence of Almighty God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus refers to it as a gift. They couldn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. It's something that Jesus offers his children, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Peter's famous sermon in Acts chapter 2, he spoke of this powerful gift. In Acts 2.38, <clears throat> says this. Here in the middle of his sermon, he says, it says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now we read that, and I've read it all my life. I've heard it all my life. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we don't really, in the midst of all of that, hearing that repeatedly, think of the Holy Spirit as a gift, a present. It is God's gift to you this Christmas, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I always say this, I, I'm reminded of people like Samson in the Old Testament, like everyone in the Old Testament, whom received the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God would speak to them, like the prophets of old, Moses, as God would speak to him, and, and Jeremiah and the other prophets, God would speak through the Holy Spirit to them, but then he would depart with Samson, who was a man of great physical strength. He wasn't always strong, but the Bible says every time he needed the presence of God, <coughs> of God the, the strength of the Holy Spirit, it says the Spirit of God would enter into him in power, but it only lasted for the moment. Once the battle was over, the Holy Spirit would depart from him. That's not the case through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and is always there, never leaves. We never have to say as believers in Christ, Lord, send your spirit into me. I need your Holy Spirit today. I don't have it. 
and I really want it, I really need it. You don't have to wonder, you don't have to worry, you don't have to ask over and over again because the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you for the rest of your life if you're a believer in Christ. That's a great gift. Many years ago, the great writer C.S. Lewis spoke about a college student who wrote to him. The young man was an atheist, did not believe in God, and he was very concerned because he had made friends with some Christian students. His friends were enthusiastically witnessing to him about Jesus, and it had shaken up the young man's thinking. He was going through some great struggles in his life, and he was struggling with Christianity. And all he wanted to know was, what did Dr. Lewis think? What did C.S. Lewis think? So this young atheist man writes C.S. Lewis and says, what do you think? C.S. Lewis wrote back, I think you're already in the meshes of the net. The Holy Spirit is after you. I doubt you'll get away. <laughs> so God's Spirit is in the world today, by the way, seeking us, trying to teach us about the eternal, abundant life that Jesus can give. That young college student, by the way, who was in the meshes of the Holy Spirit's net, did not get away. He gave his life to Christ. The Holy Spirit has power to change the world and to transform your life. The Spirit will convict, but will also guide and counsel you. And so the question is, do you have that gift today? God is offering it to you this Christmas. Needless to, stay, say, to say, each of these gifts are related to one another. And the third, most wonderful gift was given when Christ came to us on this earth through the gift of salvation. Scripture is full of descriptions of salvation as a gift of God. It is the central theme of what I share every year at the empty tomb out here uh, as the final part of the journey to Bethlehem. And by the way, we did have somebody accept that free gift this year. And I always say to them, if you've been through Journey to Bethlehem, you know, I always say it is a free gift. It's the greatest gift you could ever receive. And someone accepted that free gift this year and was saved on the spot. Now, I hope and trust. Amen. I hope and trust there were many more that heard that went home and received Christ. Or even now, God is convicting them. And over the weeks, months, and years to come, the Holy Spirit will come upon them at that moment in their life when they most need God. And they'll come to faith in Christ and receive that gift of salvation. Once when Jesus was at Jacob's well, with Jacob's well, he met a Samaritan woman and he said this to her. This is John chapter 4, verse 10. <clears throat> the only time he'd ever met with her. And it says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the, here's the word, the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's speaking to her about salvation, the living water of Christ, and he describes it early in his ministry as a gift. In Romans chapter 6, 23, that famous verse that says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is, here's the word, the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. In the last chapter 
of the last book of the Bible. In Revelation chapter 22, in verse 17, it says this. <clears throat> the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever's thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. It was very important to God to, to, to end his book, to end this, this powerful word with this offer again and again and again. But at the end, he says and reminds us, it is a free gift. By the way, if it's not free, it's not a gift. If you have to buy it, if you have to earn it, it's not a gift. But he makes it very clear to us, it's free. You don't have to say anything or do anything <clears throat> to earn it or deserve it. It is free. You only have to receive it. Reader's Digest wrote of the late Harvey Pinnock. <clears throat> it says, success came late in Harvey Pinnock's life as at the age of 90, he authored two books that sold millions of copies. In the 1920s, Pinnock bought a red spiral notebook and began jotting down observations about golf. He was a golfer. He never showed the book to anyone except his son until 1991. He had it all those decades. Nobody ever saw it until 1991. And he shared it with a local writer and asked if he thought if it was worth publishing. The man read it and told him yes. He left word with Pinnock's wife the next evening that Simon & Schuster had agreed to an advance of $90,000. He sent it to a publisher. They were so impressed and amazed with those notes that he jotted in that book all those decades before that they offered him $90,000 as an advance to publish the book. When the writer saw Pinnock later, <clears throat> the old man seemed troubled. Finally, Pinnock came clean. With all of his medical bills, he said there was no way he could advance Simon & Schuster that much money. <laughs> the writer had to explain that Pinnock would be the one to receive the $90,000, not to pay the $90,000. People often have Pinnock's reaction to the wonderful gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. We ask, what must I do? God answers, it's a gift. You just have to receive it. Peace, the Holy Spirit, salvation. These are the three greatest gifts ever given in the history of the world and ever will be given. Do you have these gifts? And they are given because of the greatest gift, the gift of Jesus Christ. Don't get that wrong in the Christmas story this year. Watch this clip. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a king wearing a magnificent crown. No, Dad, that's not it. Oh, really? L let me try it again. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a powerful, well-trained soldier. No, Dad, you did it again. That's not right. Okay, uh, how about this? And this will be a sign for you. You will find a democratically elected president. What? No. A trendy motivational speaker. No way. A big tech CEO. A movie star. Time traveling cyborg. No, no, none of those are right. The shepherds weren't going to find any of those. Okay then, little Miss Know It All. What did they find? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Oh, that's right, a baby. Does that even make sense? A, a baby is totally helpless. Yeah, but if Jesus didn't come as a baby, mm -hmm. then he would have known what it was like to grow up. Ah, but wait, why did he have to grow up? That's easy, to save us. Ah, well then that means that the best part about Christmas is... The baby. Right, the baby. Oh, well, I guess it's time you get some sleep. We got a big day ahead of us tomorrow. No, we're not done with the story. Okay, just a little longer. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he Don't miss the gift of Christmas this year, the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and because of Christ, the gift of peace. Pray with me. Father, we are in your presence today. And I would pray right now through your spirit who is among us. First, we want to say thank you for Jesus. That we understand and we see through the eyes of faith him being born lying in a manger, wrapped in cloths. Mary and Joseph are there. The star is shining above, above them. Shepherds show up, bewildered, amazed, stunned still in shock because of what they've seen with the angels the pronouncement and they see their Savior and they have peace for the first time in their life they experience true peace father if there's somebody here today who has never received that peace the peace that passes understanding your word says the peace only found in Christ may this be the hour Whatever has been going on in their life, whatever challenges or problems they've had, whatever discourage or discouragements or doubts, 
whatever bad news they received, they are loved by you. And Christ offers them salvation now. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Have you received the gift of Jesus Christ? Have you received that peace? Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? The Bible says that while we cannot earn it and we don't deserve it, we do receive it, the gift of salvation. And God wants to offer you that gift right here, right now. How do you do that? Well, the Bible says that there has to be a moment in your life where you realize that you need a Savior. And the reason we need a Savior is because we mess up. We say things and do things in our life that we shouldn't say or do. We go down the wrong path. We do wrong things. We all do it. And that sin, those wrong things, separate us from God. It takes us off the path that God wants us in our life and removes us from the love of God. But God doesn't want that for you. And so right here, right now, God is offering you the opportunity to remove that sin, to remove those wrong things, to put you back on the path, to draw close to Him. The gift of salvation through Jesus, and we call it salvation because the Bible teaches that Jesus paid the price. The penalty for our sin is always the same, it's death. But He paid that price on the cross for you and for me. I want you to know that God loves you. And Christ paid the price for you. So you don't have to die in your sins anymore because Christ did that for you. If you'll accept that in faith and believe, God will save you. He'll forgive all of your sins completely, utterly, all gone. You can fulfill your purpose in life by loving God back, you can draw close to Him and have eternal life. God offers that. But He also offers the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of peace because of that. Would you be willing to give your life to Christ right now? If you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's just words, there's nothing magical about them, it's not an incantation. Is something that you have to mean from your heart to receive that salvation. I want to challenge you right where you are, right in your heart, to pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I've messed up in my life. I believe that you died for me in my place on the cross for my sin. And I believe your word teaches, as your word teaches, that in three days he came back to life. I believe that in faith. Come into my life and be my Lord. And I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you prayed that prayer, I want to challenge you here in just a few moments to come up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I gave my life to Jesus today. And he will give you peace. I want to challenge you to do that. Just come up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. And maybe God is calling you to join with First Baptist Church. 
or make a public decision today or you just want to come and kneel and pray and say thank you for the greatest gift, the gift of Christ. If God is leading right now while we're praying, this invitation is for you. Would you stand? All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. And as you stand and as you pray right now, you come.